passage for back in July. Um, we're going to look at Psalms 1 this morning. And uh, unfortunately, that, that particular week, that Sunday, um, was the week where the building flooded. So this, this message is in delay for about three months at the moment. Um, the reason why I chose Psalm 1 back in, back in the summer was, personally for me, uh, it was a time where, summer's always a time where things slow down a bit, um, it always feels like we're in a rush, and then suddenly summer hits and it's like, ah, oh, finally, I get a morning to lie in, or I get an afternoon. Uh, the kids that have to run to, to school and that have to go to you know, all the activities, it's a bit of a slowdown. So Psalms 1 really practically for me was my preparation for the summer months. Uh, just thinking about what it means to take a bit more time to lighten God's word. But unfortunately, because of the flood, it's, it was delayed by three months, and now I, I, I felt that there was still a reason to preach on Psalms 1. Um, from speaking to many people, uh, both in the church and outside of the church, life is busy. I don't know about you, but the, the new kind of how are you uh, answer is, yeah, I'm good, I'm busy. There's that, there's that tagline, and that just seems to be the way life is described at the moment. Very full, uh, very occupied, with a lot of um, influences, a lot of things that have to be done, as well as a lot of occupying things by thoughts. So, the reason why I feel that Psalms 1 is, is a good word for us in this season as well, is the fact that in the midst of business, in the midst of everything that's consuming our minds, um, Psalms 1 calls us to one thing, which is to delight in the law of the Lord, or to meditate, to, to meditate on it night and day. So, there's another two reasons why I felt Psalms 1 would be a really good place for us as a church as well. Um, we've been studying the book of Galatians, and um, week after week, Ant's been hammering us with the fact that we are not under the law, that we are free that we are people who are, are, are no longer under the curse of the law. And my thought process was, okay, yes, it's true, but um, are we as a church somehow underplaying the importance still of the law? Because Psalms 1 says we must delight in it. Now, I'm sure we haven't been underplaying it. There's been a context which the law sits now in which we now see the law. And I'm going to explore that a little bit today as well because we're still called to love the law of the Lord. We're still called to delight in it and see value from it. Um, and the last thing I, I feel that I want to bring out of Psalms 1 this morning is, firstly, an understanding of the law. Secondly, uh, the fact that we are busy and we still have to find a delight in his law. Um, but also the fact that sometimes, I know in different seasons of our lives, we can either feel energized and we can feel... Um, amazed by, by simply reading simple verses from the Bible, and they just hook in our souls, and they spur us on in life. But I'm also aware that, even in my life, and there's been seasons which I'll maybe share a little bit about later, where the law hasn't been a delight. Reading the Word has been a drought. It's been a, a like it feels like a duty, not a delight. I'm not sure how many of you feel like that now, what season you may be in, where the Word, this thing we call quiet time, or personal devotion, whatever you may want to call it, just feels like a real drag. And um, maybe you're not in that season. I don't want to um, in any way discourage you. But for those of us who feel like we're in that place where it just feels like, oh, I know I should be doing this, but it feels like law. It feels like duty. And I want to call us out of it. I want to lift us to something greater, which is to delight and meditation on the word of the Lord. So that's really the three things I want to say this morning, that we want to have a right understanding of the law. We want to um, delight in it in the midst of busyness, but we also want to find ourselves, even if we are feeling dry and apathetic towards the law and the word, that we want to fill our minds with a right understanding this morning, and we pray that God's Spirit would move and, and pull us out of that. So I'm going to start by, by simply reading Psalms 1. And... Um, Maybe it's good. Just turn your listening ears on, whatever that may feel. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you just want to, uh, in some metaphoric way, just hold up your hands to receive his word this morning as I read it. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, 
nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff. The wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. So we start Psalms 1 with one word, blessed. Blessed is. There is a blessing that I'm praying, I've been praying for for Forest Town Church from this word this morning. There is a blessing that God has offered us um, in receiving this word and understanding it and applying it in our lives. So I don't want us to miss it this morning by just overstate, understating that word, blessed. The blessing of God that we are talking about this morning, the blessing which I want us to grab hold of, is one with the fact that we can know through the word of God intimately the person, the nature, and the personhood of who God is. We can understand, we can know him, not just from a cognitive way or factual way, we can actually know intimately the creator of the universe. Because the word of God is him revealing himself to us. It's him saying, here I am, world. This is who God is. This is who I am, is. And the law we talk about uh, in Psalms, just in context of when it was written, was written by David in, a, in the fact that they only had the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus, um, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus. Those beautiful books which we love to read, right? Uh, we love Numbers, we love Deuteronomy, we love Leviticus. But that is the essence of what the psalm is talking about. David is delighting in these five books, which sometimes in the Christian church, in the context of everything else we know about the Bible, um, is what David says he's delighting in. So I just want to think a little bit about what these five books contain. Uh, I know some of us did the Bible course uh, about a year ago, and for me it was very fruitful, and I just took a few um, pointers from, from, that, from the study that we did on, on the Bible last year. That Genesis, it speaks about who is the creator of the world. Think about this. If God didn't reach down and reveal himself as creator, we would still be thinking about Maybe we wouldn't have come up with Big Bang Theory, but we would have been thinking about, oh, where did I come from? Maybe a stork came and dropped us off or something. God gives an understanding of who we are, our humanity, our dignity. He talks about who he is as creator, almighty, the one who was there from the beginning. So Genesis is about creation, origins, where we come from, where God is, who he is. It also shows us that he chooses and elects a nation. He reaches down into humanity and picks out Abraham and says, I'm going to use you as a blessing to the nations. And from that comes Israel, and from that comes Jesus, and from that comes the Christian church. Exodus, the book of Exodus is, talk, is about salvation. It's about God's hand, mighty hand, an outstretched arm, reaching in to a nation and saving them, taking them from slavery into freedom, into the promised land. We talk about Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Leviticus where God lays out a law for the nation. He gives them good direction. He gives them good laws to govern themselves, good laws that will profit them and not destroy them and not be like the nations which are in wicked and God calls them um, despised and wicked. He calls out this law to protect them. Now, I just want to th- think about it. if If we did not have those five books of the Bible, how do you think just our nation, the UK, would be right now? Just if we didn't have a lot of the laws that we hold so cherished to in, in the Western world are, are founded in, in many in Ten Commandments. Do not kill, do not steal, maybe not coveting. <laughs> we can't really govern that. But, um, you know, marriage, all these things that we are, are laws in which we govern ourselves, a lot of them are founded in, in the revelation of God through his word. So in absence of that, if God did not reach down by his grace and implant in humanity his good word his law I'm not sure where we would be as humanity right now and in the context of David writing the psalm for the nation of Israel he's writing a song to an introduction to the nation saying come on guys take these five books that we know about they tell us about who God is they tell us about who we are the fact that we are chosen we are saved it gives them a history of, of God's mighty arm reaching, taking them out of Egypt 
so the blessing that God is that the psalm is talking about here is a blessing of knowing the revealed God. The blessing that we hold to as a church right now is the fact that God has revealed Himself to us. Firstly, through the Torah, the five uh, books of the Old Testament, five, first five books of the Old Testament. But then for us, we get to experience even more of God's revelation. We get to receive God's revelation through the prophets. We get to see God's revelation through Psalms, through Proverbs, through all the mind prophets. Then it comes to Jesus. We get to receive and understand who God is through the person of Jesus revealed in the Gospels. And not only that, we get to see and receive Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the works of the early church and the testimonies of the saints. Isn't that amazing? When we just think about how God has revealed himself, he has revealed himself through his word, through the Bible. And the psalm here is calling us to ponder on it. Not just to read it as a factual book or to think of it as a story, but to think of it as truth, which we have, can understand and know the living God. I just want to give um, just a, one reading from Deuteronomy. Um, because I know sometimes I, I, I would rarely, um, on many occasions, read Numbers and Leviticus for my quiet time. But um, just to give a bit of context, why God gave the law? Why, why was it a good thing? This is from Deuteronomy 4. And this is uh, Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Um, the reason why he's given the law is to keep them. If you keep them and do them, that will be for you wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding in the sight of the people. For the people around will say, Surely this great nation, Israel, who has received the law, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that a God is so near to us as it is that the Lord God is to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation is there that his statutes and rules are so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So God's purpose in the Old Testament for giving the law was so that the nation would be, have wisdom, the nation would have understanding, the nation would demonstrate that to the people around them, the other nations who did not have the good law. And ultimately, it would be this fact that it would reveal that God is so near to them as the Lord God is to us. So the law, the God's revelation to us, just as this one first point, is that it's his revelation to us as himself. God reached down, not simply at Christmas. He reached down when he gave his law. He reached down when he poured out to, to Abraham. He reached down when he gave the law to the nation of Israel. God's revelation to us is his whole personhood revealed through the Bible. So Forest Town Church, how do you know God? Who is it that you know? If we read just the first half of the Bible, we understand an essence of who God is. It's all true, but as we read the whole context, the whole word of God, we understand more and more about who his heart is, what his heart is like, who he is as a person, how he has revealed himself, and ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So the psalm, once it talks about blessedness, the blessing is, is that the fact that we get to know God. First and foremost, that is what we get to know. We get to know God intimately and closely. But what does it say now? It says here in the next two verses, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mock or scoffers, but his light is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So here the psalmist is talking about blessedness, and he's talking about two ways of life, one which is blessed and one which is not. He uses it uh, in the first verse. It says that there is a way in which you can think, walk and act which doesn't lead down a path of blessedness and there is a way in which you can think walk and act which can lead towards a path of blessedness and that blessedness being being in an intimate relationship with the lord some i know some of us um even maybe not in our youth even now have make bad choices or can make bad choices which lead us down a path um and many of us may be able to testify that lead us down a path of, of, of destructiveness and are not good for us as a person or a being or our families. And this, this psalm is calling us out of a way of living that um, is downwardly destructive um, and ultimately can lead us away from the living God. 
I don't know if you know the word scoffer, but the word scoffer essentially means someone who is um, without regard, someone who mocks. So when the Psalms talks about scoffers, it's talking about a person who mocks God. So it's almost like you reach a point in your life where you're, the way you are thinking, the way you are acting, and the way you position yourself is such that you are cold and distant from God. And without the grace of God in our lives, reaching into us through his word, through the presence of Jesus, that is ultimately where we as a humanity would end up, as scoffers, ones who reject God. There's nothing in us, in ourselves, that would want to draw near to God, except for his divine grace and revelation reaching into our lives. So the question, really, uh, we want to ask ourselves this morning is, what are we giving our attention to, and what are we allowed allowing influence in our lives. Because that's what this psalm is saying. What is it that you are allowing your mind, the counsel of your mind, ultimately the way you will walk and act and the position that you will take in life? What are we allowing to direct that place in our lives? Are we giving our attention to wickedness, towards sin, and to ultimately become scoffers? Or the choice is, are we giving ourselves to the attention of the law of the Lord? His good truth, which, which we are meant to meditate on night and day. Because really the issue isn't necessarily about doing uh, a good thing and a bad thing. It's actually doing something which we will delight in. We are called not to... We don't do things out of duty. Well, sometimes we have to, but we don't generally do things that, out of duty. We do things because we enjoy them. So if we enjoy rugby and watching rugby, we would, we would have watched... Um, who, who was that nation that won yesterday? I don't know. So, was it Wales? No, it wasn't Wales. Um, we, if we love rugby and we delight in it, we would watch it and we would play it. If we love football, we would all stay up late and watch matches of the day and felt tired this morning. Um, but if we hate washing up, well, we have to do it out of duty, but we don't do it out of delight, do we? We do the things that we enjoy. And that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to do something that will bring us joy. He's, doing, he's asking us to do something and to act on something that will bring us a delight and a happiness and a fulfillment. I know that some of us, um, when we ask the question, what influences our lives, some things, there are things that we don't always recognize are influencing in our lives. And those sometimes can be pain, disappointment, hurt things that are subversive, subversive in, our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our minds that we just act because that's how we respond to things. And, you know, there are places within the church like Be Restored where we are inviting people to explore these things that can be destructive in our lives but we're not necessarily aware of. Um, but there's also influences that we particularly choose. There are things that we choose to do day to day, uh, week in, week out, which can lead us and take our attention and are attractive, and they are a delight to our souls, a delight to our being. But they may not be the fullness of what God wants for us. Um, but the Lord, what the psalm is asking us to do today is to consider the word of the Lord, meditate on it night and day, a regular pattern of meditating, thinking, taking hold of the word of God. And... Um, that's what I'm, I'm asking you today, is, is just to hear, hear what does it mean to meditate. Meditating, um, from a biblical point of view, is, is not like Eastern religion where we're emptying ourselves or chanting mantras uh, and um, repetitive phrases to try and escape this world. Um, meditation, from a biblical sense, is, is taking biblical truth, the truth of who God is, who he has revealed himself to be, and who we are, allowing it from to go understanding it in our minds, allowing that to drive into our hearts and affect our emotions, affect our delights, affect our humility. It's never about just brain knowledge and um, lots of understanding. We think of Paul, how he knew the law, he studied the law, yet God did not reveal himself to him in that way until he met the person of Jesus. Uh, we think about, sometimes we think that um, experiencing God is about the spirit of worship and, and emotion, and it's all, oh God, you're my, you're my everything. But yet there's no context and no understanding and no clarity about 
What does it mean that God is everything? So there needs to be a cognitive aspect to meditation, understanding who God is by understanding the word, but there's also an emotional and an, a, uh, a heart thing that happens within us. So it engages both the mind and the heart and the soul. So what is it that we are driving into our hearts? I just want to just take a time. I thought, since we're talking about meditation, why don't we just meditate for a minute on, on one verse? Just on one verse. Um, And the way, just as a practical aspect, maybe this works for you, but we just take one verse, maybe, and what we do is just think about it, understand it, try and understand it, and speak it into our hearts. Essentially, that's what we were doing in worship. We were taking the goodness of God. We're saying, God, you are good. Um, Everything you do is good. And what we're doing when we're singing songs is meditating. We are driving the truth that God is good deep into our souls. So it affects our delights, and it affects our emotions, it affects our souls. So the psalm I, the psalm I wanted to just, was probably one of my, my favorite psalm in the whole Bible, um, is, is Psalms 90, 14. Um, I thought we could just, I'm just going to read over it, maybe I'll read it twice. And as we read it, just think of key words, um, maybe, that you just want to just repeat in your heart, pray over, just put it into our, and put it into your souls. Maybe it will take arguing. Maybe it, it will require you to kind of go, is that true? Maybe it will require you to reason. Is it really true that God is good? Is it really true that his steadfast love will make me glad all the days of my life? So Psalms 90 verse 14 says, um, Satisfy us in the morning. Maybe we change it to me. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love, that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. Let's read it again, and maybe we just take time. Maybe ask questions. Maybe say, is this true? This is what I want. Satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love, your steadfast love, that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love, that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. about you, but that was, that was good for my soul. That was good for my soul, just to rest in the truth of his love. And there's a promise of rejoicing in that. So what are, we, what are we thinking about? What are we meditating on during the day? What is it that we're filling up our minds and our actions and our, and our, and our days with? Because ultimately, those things will shape our lives. And they might not be bad things, either. We have, many of us have children here. Many of us have uh, work issues that we have to think about. We cannot escape them. Many of us have family and um, bills to pay and, and houses to move into and um, many things that take a lot of time and energy. Um, and, and meditation on the word of the Lord and meditation and thinking about things is a battle of, of, of many things. And we have to be aware that it is a choice and it's a battle. There are competing things that we have to lay aside in order for an order for an order of us for in order for us to enable us to have time and energy to meditate on the word of the Lord. So I want to just just think about that as a battle that there is a choice that we have to make, and it will require. I, I've written down four things that for me personally that I, I have to be aware of. Firstly, it, it takes time. Uh, it takes time. There's no doubt about it. There are 24 hours in a day. You'll sleep for a good third of that, if not more. Um, so time is limited. We have to work. We have to do things. But yet, God calls us to meditation, which takes time. It takes perseverance within that time, because we live in a society that is so instant now. 
saying, if, if, I, I've tried not to read the Bible on my phone because ultimately an email will pop up and it's going to be like, bing, uh, so many things. And you go, suddenly realize you're on Facebook and suddenly you realize you're on Twitter and suddenly you know, you've discovered that um, awesome thing is tweeting something. You know, it, our minds are full of instant information and there has to be a slowdown in the pace of our lives. There has to be a time and a place where we do take ourselves out of this uh, busyness and this time instantaneous society. We have to fight against that and persevere in the quiet place. Secondly, meditating on the word takes depth. Again, using the analogy of instantaneous and, and, and superficialness, we get tweets, we get emails, we get information popping up left, right and centre. And many of those messages hit us and they delight in us, probably because they're very, they're very quick and they don't have much depth to them. They look tickly things like the idea of minions just... Um, I don't know why it's so big, but just the fact that there, it's a minion, it makes me laugh and it, it delights me. But it's superficial and it's surface level, whereas the Word of God calls us into depth. It calls us into deep-rooted, enduring, life-changing truth. And that requires us to go beyond superficiality and surface entertainment. It requires faith. Meditation requires us to believe in the truth and take hold of it, churn it over and engage with it. And probably the hardest thing of all, reading and meditating the word of the Lord requires this Holy Spirit, which we cannot self-generate. We cannot make a word mean something it does not mean. We cannot drive it into our hearts um, with our own power and own willpower. It requires us to trust the Holy Spirit to speak God's truth into our lives. And um, when I was thinking about this, um, Inchi and I are just in the season of our lives where... um, being very honest that the word of the Lord in our own personal walks has been something like a rusty tap. It feels like you turn it on and it flows and it's kind of takes time for it, the water to get clean and it's kind of gunky but it's still flowing and it's, it's, there's not a clean river which is flowing through at the moment. And I think that's just in the season of life that we're in where we're battling time pressures um, with little kids, um, our own uh, interests and, and, and what we're giving ourselves to. Um, and it's just a fact that, you know, when we were single or, or just a couple, the river seemed to flow much more easily. Uh, you know, we, would, we would take a psalm and it would be like, man, this is impacting several depths of my life right now. And uh, I want to encourage you that this is not meant to be a condemning message, that you should be doing this, doing that. Start with the rusty tap. Open it up. Let God wash through our lives. And our experience is that the flow of water will increase the cleanliness, the depth, and the, uh, the, the, the perseverance. If you persevere, it will get easier. So the question is, why is it then um, the Bible is calling us to meditate on the Word of the Lord? Verses 3 and 4 offer us a, a beautiful picture, a beautiful analogy, a metaphor of what a life looks like that is deep-rooted in the word of the Lord. So the blessed life looks like this. He is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he or she does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. So this metaphor is one of a strong tree. And I love how we are called Forest Town Church because in a way I'm going to call all, each of you out here who believe in the Lord Jesus to be strong trees. I'm calling each of you out to say, are you rooted in deep water that is flowing by the power of the Spirit into, into your lives? I'm calling you out to say that you can be a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, that its leaf does not wither. Everything that you do prospers. That's God's calling, and his provision is through his word. And that's contrasted dramatically by chaff. I'm not sure about if you know what chaff is, but uh, who likes dust? <laughs> we all hate dust, don't we? Dust in our houses, dust on our surfaces. Basically, it's, it's just trash, it's dust and dirt, which we throw in the air, the wind blows it away, it has no roots, it has no purpose. There's no point for it. It's gone. So I want to ask you just very simply, 
when in your life, and maybe just think about it, when in your life have you felt like this deep-rooted tree? Has there been a time where you just felt, God, I can take on the world. Uh, my faith, is, I'm synced in you right now. I'm by your river, sapping up the truth of the gospel, sapping up the truth of who you are. I'm just delighting in you right now. I'm sure all of us in our Christian walk have experienced times of just increased and energized and heightened joy in just God's presence. And there's times, you know, you know the effect. The effect is you feel um, stable. You feel like you are producing fruit, that your mind is just saturated with the ability to just speak words of truth and knowledge come, and the Holy Spirit is just like your closest friend, and Jesus is there. And then there's other times where many of us may have felt like chaff, where life is blowing against us, and we just feel there's no firm foundation, there's no place where I can sink myself and find that rest. Um, and I think that's okay. I think that's okay. If we're in a place right now where we feel like chaff, there is a grace of God that he's calling us out. This word is, is about grace. This word is about God saying, I still want to take you, chaff, and plant you next to streams of living water. I want you to feel security. I want you to feel stability in your life. I want you to feel, even in times of difficulty, the fact that you are still prospering. You see, planted by streams of water does not mean that you will be immune to pain and suffering. It means that you will have stability in those times of trouble. Many of us can testify to that. Many of us can testify in our own lives where trouble has come, yet we are just tree planted by streams of water. And we can be like David in Psalm 73. It says even, uh, let me just read it because I think this, this hopefully this will encourage some of you. Psalms 23, um, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Then my flesh and my heart may fail. God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I'm sure there's times like that where we can testify that God, even in the midst of pain, there's still a strength, there's still a hope, there's still a, 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 a truth which I'm holding on to, which says that you are still in control and for me. So I think, in many ways, just personally sharing with me, um, since um, in the last few years, for me personally, just life has felt a bit like chaff on many occasions. It's not always like that, I, I, I praise God that, but there's more often than not, I feel that for me personally, life has been like chaff where I'm just being blown by the tide of life. And um, for me, personally, just from my own sharing, um, it leads towards uh, quite a dry life, I think. Um, sometimes there's very, very often a lack of perspective, but I'm thinking only about the immediate things. Um, time seems to go very quickly. Suddenly, my kids have grown from little ones to you know, not so little ones now, and, and years pass by. And often there's a self-centeredness. And personally, for me, that's just how this season of being like chaff has felt. Um, I tend to hide toward behind busyness. Um, my, my heart, in my heart of hearts, I know there's still a thirst, though. And I praise God for that, that there still is a thirst, that this life isn't being satisfied. And that's what I hope will encourage you, that there is still something there within your hearts, if you are feeling like chaff this morning, that there still is a grace that God has for you to call you out and to bring you out and to plant you as a tree. But that's a choice we have to make, whether we settle for this meandering through life or whether we choose by faith and ask him to help us and root us in something that is deep-rooted in the Word. So we end the psalm, really, by um, looking at verses 5 and 6. So the psalm speaks about, obviously, life, in, in, in this lifetime, while we're still alive and have days on this earth, but it also speaks about an eternal perspective for our lives. It closes by saying these words, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There is... A, a finality to this life. Um, no bones about it. There is, you, will, you will die at some point, uh, and Jesus will come back at some point in time. 
the Bible is very clear about the fact that there will be an end time. And, uh, and, and the, the psalm is putting this into perspective how our actions and our choices in this lifetime will affect our eternity. That there is a relationship that Jesus has bought for you in Christ, and God has bought for you in Christ uh, and is revealed to you through the word of God. And um, the sinners that identified here in the last two verses of, of uh, Psalms 1 said that they cannot stand in that place of judgment, that place when Jesus comes back. They will not be able to gather with the righteous people. Their ways will perish. And there is a finality about that because purely they haven't received the blessing of God, which is a relationship with him. But the righteous, the righteous, those who God has revealed himself, those who have accepted and received him, they are the ones who can stand before a holy God. Not just stand, but I love the word here, which is known. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows your ways. There is a God who has revealed himself, but he doesn't stay distant. There's a God who says, I'm reaching into humanity, I'm going to make myself known, but also you are going to know that you are known by me. It's a personal revelation that God wants to reveal to each one of us. That is not a generic thing, one size fits all, but it's a perfect tailored love relationship that he has for you, just as a father would have with a son or a daughter. I know last week we were talking about that in the, in the family um, and parenting seminars that as a father I have to strive to identify each of my children individually and know them and meet their needs. So the love and the known, knowing that God is speaking about here is one of a father who knows personally each of his children to know that they are safe, to know that they are cared for, to know that they are loved. And the God of the universe knows your heart. He knows your love. He knows your longings. He knows your desires. So my question to you this morning is, has the truth of the Bible, has the revelation of God led you towards Jesus? Because ultimately that is why the Bible is geared towards, the Bible is geared towards leading us to the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the gospel. If it has led you to Jesus, um, then I'm just going to just repeat what Anne has been going on about for the last six to 12 months. But we've been going through the book of Galatians where it's about freedom. It's about receiving Jesus freely by grace, believing in him by faith, taking hold of your salvation in Christ. It's not about your own works. It's not about striving and doing more and doing uh, less of bad things and doing more of good things. It's about trusting it's about calling out to Jesus as your righteousness. It's about calling and reading his law and allowing his law to write, be written on our hearts so that we fulfill it perfectly, not by our own efforts, by his indwelling spirit in our hearts. It's about choosing to walk with him, choosing to plant ourselves by streams of water. It's about asking the Holy Spirit to feed us daily through his living word, just as John 14 says, when the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have ever told you. So if you place your faith in Jesus, be assured this morning that righteousness is yours. Be assured this morning that you are planted by streams of water. There may be seasons like where you feel like chaff, but God has planted you there and established you. So we want to ask ourselves this question. Are we rooting ourselves rooting our souls deep into the gospel? Are we taking time so that the gospel affects our attention, our actions, our thinking, our identity, and that fact that we will be shaped by it into these strong trees? The last lens I just want to look at the psalm in is one where the fact that we look at Jesus and... Um, it's a good place to end, isn't it, to look at Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of the man planted by streams of water. He is the perfect example of the one who did not sin, is not wicked, is not a scoffer. He is the perfect example of the one who's rooted himself in the word of God. He's the perfect one who does not delight in wickedness. And he's the one whom we hold on to for our righteousness.
And the, the good news today is that that can be our life too. It's not Jesus is, Jesus is perfect, but he's also the one who's gone before us, the brother who's gone before us and leads us in that path of righteousness. So I want us to just ask ourselves this morning, are we, re- are we rooting ourselves deep in the word? Are we rooting ourselves deep in the truth of the gospel? I know that each week, each Sunday, we come here and we, we sing songs of truth, amazing songs of truth. We hear preaching that is laced with the glorious word of the gospel. But in our times, Monday to, Monday to Saturday, um, in our quiet places, are we taking time to root ourselves in this truth? Are we taking time to root ourselves in the gospel? And um, for me, um, where that hasn't always been the case uh, over years, there is, there's three things that um, I think are, help, will help us practically just um, move in the right direction towards that. Um, and if you allow me, I just feel that this, this might be really helpful for many of us here who are feeling like that, that chaff, like that dry tree. Um, the first is the practical aspect that we just simply confess. Uh, we simply confess and ask for God's forgiveness for sometimes our coldness and our disinterest in, in him and in his word. Um, and I think I'm in good company when, when, I, when I say that it's good to confess because uh, we read Tozer, A.W. Tozer, in his, in, his, in his book, The Pursuit of God. Uh, this is him sharing. Um, his prayer is, O oh God, I've tasted your goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. But I'm painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I'm ashamed by my lack of desire, O oh God. I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Begin in, begin in mercy a new work of love within me. And give me grace to rise and follow you up from this misty lowland where I've wandered so long. And maybe that's for you this morning. You feel you're in that misty lowland. But God is a God of grace, a God of relationship, a God of restoration, a God of forgiveness a God who wants to plant you as a tree, make you strong. Because maybe that's for you. Maybe the first step is confession and repentance. The second practical step, I feel, is, is, is good for us as a people is, um, is, is, is me- memorizing scripture. Um, I know it takes mental energy and uh, memorizing, it seems like something you used to do at school. Um, memorize your times tables. But... Um, what it does, what memorizing scripture does, is that it means that the word of God is always with you. You can recite uh, Romans 8 um, and, and speak the truth of what that means. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by sinful flesh, could not do by sending his only son in likeness of sin. And for sin he condemned it in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit you can carry the word of God with you it doesn't have to be a time and a place where you have to be it can be a word that you take in season every place where every step you take it can be with you and in you and you can be thinking about it meditating on the truth of that um, one practical thing that we learned when we had little kids uh, where you know for, for the ladies especially who are doing the night feeds and you're, you're dreary-eyed, and just reading a book feels like, um, or reading the Bible feels like a real extra pain, is to have scripture around the house. Um, I don't know where you normally stand or spend most of your time. Maybe it's on the toilet, and you, know, you put a little scripture up next to the toilet. Um, I'm trying to think of a good one now. <laughs> I can't think of one. Maybe put it when you're washing up. You know, you know, you, you're washing up normally like this. You look up. The Word of God can be right in front of you, like a, like a sign, right in front of you while you're washing up. Uh, maybe you don't put it in your car because you're supposed to be driving and, and, and doing that. But um, practically, put Scripture up in your walls. I think Deuteronomy 6 talks about how we're supposed to teach it to our children. Write it on your doorposts. It's, it's not a suggestion. It's not, it's, not, sorry, it's not a law. It's a good suggestion. Have Scripture before your eyes. Allow your mind to focus and think about it. Read it, internalize it, bring it, let it bring you into a relationship with the Lord each day, each moment. 
So confess your coldness. Memorize scripture. And the last thing I want to just share, uh, which has been a real fruitfulness for Enching and I in this church, has been being part of community. Uh, what we do on a Sunday is that we encourage each other in the word of the Lord. What we do on a Wednesday night at Life Group is encourage each other through personal testimony, through sharing key scriptures, encouragements, grounding yourself with other Christians so that your hearts are bound together. That's a beautiful encouragement to have a place. It's a beautiful thing to have an encouraging place where you know that someone, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the right moment, could speak life into your life. And many of us are starting new home groups and life groups. And one of the things I want to ask you to do is make the word central. Um, think about what you can contribute on a Wednesday. Maybe you feel like chaff and you've just turned up and feel like, oh, I've got nothing to say because I haven't been thinking at all about these things. I've just arrived here. Um, you know, hands up, that's what I feel like most weeks sometimes. Um, but then someone comes with a word and you just feel, man, that was just beautiful. That God has just lifted my soul. God has just spoken truth into my heart and he's just allowed a flow of water through my life right now. That's a place where home groups are. Life groups are a place of encouragement and centering ourselves in the word of the, God, of the Lord and bringing us back to the gospel. Um, just to close and just to encourage you in that, um, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what we're called to do, um, church. We're called to be people who are dwelt richly with the word of God, with the word of Christ. And we're called to speak it to each other as well, uh, to encourage each other in that. I thought, um, I know that Helen invited... um, Many of us are ready this morning to, for those who feel like just in desperation. Um, and I feel that with, with this, this, this word, it, it, it would be wrong for me not to um, invite you again for those who are feeling like chaff this morning, for those who are feeling like dry, uh, you feel like maybe like a dry tree whose roots are withering. Um, and and it, to confess takes humility. Uh, it takes vulnerability to say that it's true, this is where I'm at right now. But with that comes hope, with that comes faith and the, and the promise that God is a good God who will speak and he will receive you as the father receives his child and he will also encourage you and grow you. So I want to extend that invitation to you this morning. If that is the place where you need to start this morning, a place of confession, a place where you feel you just need to be honest with the Lord and yourself and say that, I'm kidding myself. I'm running this, this race on, on empty. And I need a, a fresh impetus of the Lord's Spirit this morning. Then I want you to start at that place of confession. Um, and I, I want to just invite us to that place right now. Uh, maybe we could all close our eyes. And, and just before the Lord, in the quiet place, in the stillness of the space, um, allow that longing just to surface. Allow that desire, just as Tozer said, just as in Tozer's prayer, it says, I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Would you begin a mercy, a new work of love within me? Give me grace to rise and follow you up from the misty lowlands where I have wandered so long. Father, I pray for my friends here. I thank you, Lord God, for you are the righteous one. You fulfilled this psalm completely. And all you ask us to do, God, is to follow you, to trust in you, to have faith. Father, I pray for anyone here who feels like chaff this morning, who feels that dryness in their souls. In the heart of hearts, they know that there is a way they want to walk, but yet the desire has gone. They feel thirsty, yet they can't seem to feed on on the goodness of who you are. I pray, Father God, that in this moment right now, that they would just fix their eyes on you, they would meditate on this psalm, 
that they can be a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. In everything they do, they would prosper. Father, I pray against condemnation, for there is no condemnation in you. And I pray for a release of your love, a freedom to say, God, this is where I am. Would you rescue me? Would you help me to take practical steps? Just allow your word to wash over me every day. Would you give me people around me to speak truth into my lives when I can't speak it over myself? Would you help me to be a conduit of your truth to those who are, feel like they're withered? God, would Forest Town be a place full of strong trees? A place, Lord, where we bring ourselves into this community. We lift those who feel like chaff, those who are strong in this season. They would apply themselves and give in love to other people. And those, Lord, who are weak, feel weak right now, I pray that you would, in time, lift them up, raise them up, God, to be strong trees that proclaim truth in this place not just in this place, but to the world, God. This word is for the world as well, that there is a, a finality, God, to this life. And those who aren't caught in righteousness will perish. Fuel us, God, I pray, as a church, to think, to feel, for our souls, God, to yearn for the lost as well. That this gospel that we carry would be the gospel of peace, the gospel that we, they can know you and that they can be known. Do this, Lord, I pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus, by the love of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you uh, are in that place of dryness, um, there is a prayer team which who are going to be at the front. I encourage you, don't be, don't be ashamed. Um, it, it's, 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 it's walking with the Lord is, is seasons of ups, lows, highs. Um, you're in good company. You're in good company with Toza. You're in good company with me. Uh, don't be ashamed. Be free. Be free that you can come back to the Father. You can, can, we can confess. We can start again. His grace is never far. His grace is for you this day.